Good morning, everybody. Good morning. As Joe just said, we've been in this series called Parabolic. And I particularly like this series because we've been studying and learning from stories that Jesus told uh, his disciples to help them better understand what it meant to follow him. And he would use these uh, examples from everyday life um, and teach his followers life-changing lessons. And so it's been really cool just being a part of this series. And uh, many of you guys know that I am the youth director here. Joe mentioned it. And one of the things I've learned as the youth director in preaching to teenagers is that if you can take a real-life example and use it to teach a biblical truth of some sort, it's a lot easier to understand, to, to learn, and to apply to our everyday lives. And so that's why I love when Jesus uses parables in his teachings, because that's, that's what Jesus is doing, right? He's taking um, everyday examples, and he's teaching us that a relationship with God is not this complicated mystery that we sometimes make it, but rather that it's this everyday relationship with a God who really uh, knows everything about us and cares deeply about everything that we do. And so this morning, I'm excited to uh, get into a parable that we're all very familiar with. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we just watched, just a couple minutes ago, a video um, from a State Farm commercial. And uh, um, honestly, even if I didn't show that video, and all I did was hum that, that little jingle, all of you would probably be able to fill in the words, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there, right? We probably all would have been able to be able to do that. And uh, the reason I start this morning out with that video is because this morning is going to be all about what it looks like to be a good neighbor. And I want you guys to kind of keep in mind as we move through this morning that this idea of being a good neighbor was not a coined idea from a big insurance company. It's been around for a while. Um, and so we're going to this morning be in Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 25. So if you have your Bible with me, uh, with us, um, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 10. If you don't have it, the verse is going to be on the screen. And uh, we're just going to read this together um, and let God kind of speak into our, our hearts this morning. So let's get to uh, verse 25. It starts out saying this. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How have you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Okay, so let's pause just for a second there before we go any further. Uh, we find the expert of, religious, of the religious law standing up, challenging Jesus, okay, asking him a pretty tough question. That was a tough question in that day, probably still a tough question today. There could be lots of debates about this exact topic. There are lots of debates about this exact topic. Um, and it was not uncommon in that day for religious leaders to challenge Jesus in his teachings because a lot of them didn't believe that he was the son of God. They didn't believe that he was fulfilling the prophecy um, that were, was in scripture. Um, but we, what could have become a pretty hot debate um, ended quickly when Jesus ended up turning the question back on the religious leader and saying, well, what do you think? What do, what do you know about this, this uh, question? So he, um, so he kind of answered his own question. And uh, uh, so as we read, the expert of the law then wanted to justify his question. 
And I imagine the expert felt a little silly in the moment, uh, failing to trap Jesus as was his intention at that time, um, that he kept the debate going with one more question. Or he, he came up with one more question. He said, okay, well then who is my neighbor? And so Jesus gets into story time. And I can just imagine all the disciples are like, all right, parable time. Let's, let's gather around. Let's make popcorn, eat the goldfish. Let's listen to the story. So everybody's getting ready for this story. And this is kind of the scene that's set up for the parable of the Good Samaritan. So let's continue reading in verse 30 together. It reads this. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. And just for you guys to know, just kind of a, a little history context, um, Jesus usually uh, tells these stories. These are not actual stories, but in this, sense, in this particular case, he actually used a real-life setting. There, were, there was actually a road between Jerusalem and Jericho. It was about 18 miles long. It was, it was a good day's hike if you were trying to do it in one day. Um, and there were a lot of caves along the way. It was not uncommon for bandits to kind of hide and, and uh, wait for people. So this is kind of a normal thing. Um, but in verse 31, it says, By chance... A priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do likewise. Let's, let's just pray this morning. Jesus, we just thank you so much for um, your word, Lord, just for coming into our hearts and our minds. And, and as we just kind of uh, open our, ourselves to what you have to speak to us this morning, I pray that um, you would just uh, challenge us and you would speak something new into our lives. Um, no matter how many times we might have heard this parable before, I thank you so much for uh, the new things you teach us every day when we, uh, when we focus our hearts on your word, Lord. Uh, we thank you for everything you're doing in our lives in your name. Amen, amen. So this morning, I want to break up this idea of what it looks like to be a good neighbor into three kind of challenging questions, challenging ideas for us. And so the first is, are you willing to be inconvenienced? Are you willing to be inconvenienced? We read about three people in this story that were traveling down the road, Jericho to Jerusalem, and we find in verse 31 and 32 that two of the three were intentional uh, about not stopping to help the man that was lying on the road. Interestingly enough, Jesus places these two uh, men as um, expert in the law and as a, uh, as a priest and a temple assistant, both the types of people that the expert in the law would have probably um, hung around with or considered friends. Um, but Jesus doesn't put them as the good guys in the story, right? No, he doesn't. He, he says that they're both intentional about passing by on the other side of the road. They want to be as far away from this guy as possible. And why was that? Because they were not ready to be inconvenienced. They didn't want the inconvenience of stopping to help this guy. 
Jesus uses the priest and the temple assistant to help us see part of ourselves um, that is constantly protecting our comfort and our convenience. Many of us have had such a good practice in keeping ourselves comfortable that we intentionally avoid any situations where we would have to leave our comfort zone or our normal routines. We all have normal routines, right? We, we, whether or not we've created them, they've kind of created themselves in our lives, we have these routines. And a lot of times we set goals based on those routines. So we'll, we'll, maybe we have financial goals and those goal, financial goals are based on our fi- financial routines. Or maybe we have a fitness goal of some sort and those goals are based on our exercise routines, or maybe we have an educational um, goal of some sort, and so we set up routines um, so that we can study and accomplish those goals. And this morning, I'm not saying that routines are bad. Routines um, can be used in many ways uh, to glorify God. But how many of you have ever been so caught up in a routine that God slowly took a back seat in your life? Um, Maybe God would try to tell you something and you were too busy to hear his voice in your life. Uh, recently, I was training for a uh, triathlon. It was a sprint triathlon. If you don't know what that is, it's a shortened version of a triathlon. Still hard to do, so don't judge me. Um, but I was, training, I was training for this sprint triathlon and I was going to do it with a couple of my youth guys and we were really excited about it. So I was creating these routines and setting up these different times that I could train for this triathlon. And one of the best times for me that worked for running was just to go out on my lunch break during work and run. And uh, so I worked in Pottstown, so I would go out and I'd run around Pottstown um, and, and that was just kind of my normal routine. And one day I went out and I, and I was kind of more than halfway done with my run, and I was coming back up High Street, and there were a lot of people kind of out just walking around, and I was passing people, and I came up behind these two guys, and uh, one of them was, was on crutches, and at the time, uh, at that time I was, going, I was doing the Alpha course with the church, and we just recently talked about praying for healing, and uh, I really felt at that moment God said, you need to stop, and I want you to pray for this guy, pray for healing. And so I wish I could say that I stopped and I prayed and the guy got healed. But honestly, what happened was I put up a thousand excuses as to why I couldn't stop. Um, the silly ones being I didn't want to break my pace and I wanted to get back for lunch. And, and I passed by the guy and I finished my run. And the entire rest of my run, I was just thinking about that moment, that moment that God clearly spoke into my heart. And so Jesus uses the... Pre- Jesus used the priest, um, sorry about that, just, just as the first two men in Jesus' stories were not willing to be inconvenienced um, by this man in need, I was not willing to be inconvenienced by God's voice in my life in that, in that moment. And I think we've all had moments like that in our lives, right? Maybe we even had deep regrets for ignoring God in a certain situation, um, But the question today, the question that uh, Jesus is challenging us with in this particular story is, are you willing to be inconvenienced? Like, are you making that decision now, ahead of time, before the inconvenience? Are you willing to be inconvenienced? Are you willing to break the routine when God speaks to you? Are you willing to notice when a routine has ceased to become God-glorifying? 
Are you willing to be inconvenienced? So the next question this story prompts us to ask ourselves is, are you willing to get your hands dirty? Are you willing to get your hands dirty? Uh, Verse 34, it says this, Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. Now we get to the part of the story where the the Samaritan kind of steps in. He's our story's hero. And he comes across this man and and he stops. And the reason Jesus uses Samaritan in this story is is because the Samaritans and the Jews at the time had a lot of uh, tension, a lot of uh, tension in their relationship. They were enemies. um, And there's a lot of history that goes into why this happened. But simply put, the Jews were kicked out of their land and Gentiles kind of took over and those Gentiles became Samaritans. And so there's just this animosity between the two groups of people. And so, um, so why use a Samaritan as a good guy? That's kind of the question I asked Jesus you know, when I was reading this. Why uh, use a Samaritan as a good guy? And it's because Jesus knew the expert in the law didn't understand that being a neighbor was not just something we do for people we like, but rather being a neighbor is having the willingness to get our hands dirty for those who are in need no matter who they are. The Samaritan uh, was the only one that was willing to get his hands dirty out of the three guys that were making that, that travel that day. Um, and it wasn't like he told the man to hang tight while he went and got the paramedics, right? It wasn't like he said, hey, I know I get good cell phone reception up on that hill. I'm going to go. I'm going to call search and rescue. You'll be taken care of in a couple hours. No, he didn't do that. He stopped, and he ended up getting his hands bloody. He ended up getting his hands dirty. He used what things he had to clean the guy up. He ended up putting the guy on his newly detailed um, donkey and taking him to the closest inn. You know, he was willing to get his hands dirty. Sometimes the fear of stopping our lives to help someone come uh, to help someone comes from being afraid of what's going to get on us in the process. And I guess uh, maybe maybe it really will be blood and dirt at some point, but. The truth is, I'm willing to bet that getting our hands dirty looks different for each one of us. Maybe getting dirty is, is offering to help your neighbor or friend move. How many of you guys help someone move? I've helped lots. Am I the only one? Oh, goodness. Um, I am, yeah, all you guys are actually hesitant because you don't want to help anybody move. I've helped lots of people move before, and, and it's one of those, you get to know someone a little bit more because you're helping them move stuff from their closet and their garage and their basement, and those are the places where you put stuff when people come over because you don't want them to see it, right? And so you get to know someone when you help them move. Um, but maybe getting your hands dirty is simply um, noticing maybe that, that mom and dad a couple doors down that always looks so tired and that you know could probably just use a break from their kids one night and go out on a date and maybe getting your hands dirty is just offering to watch their kids for a night for free and just kind of being a blessing to them in that moment. Maybe getting your hands dirty can be helping, letting someone move into your house that, that either is getting evicted from their own or, or can't afford uh, rent for a time and, and you're willing to let them come into your own home um, and, and kind of let them get back up on their feet. See, the Good Samaritan was willing to let someone else's life disrupt his own. Oftentimes, uh, those who are in need are the ones that God's wanting us to be neighbors to. And, and oftentimes, they've got dirt. And sometimes when we help them, when we obey God, we get dirty in the process. So my question is, are we willing to get our hands dirty when it comes to being a good neighbor? 
The last question I have this story, that this story prompts, um, prompts us to ask ourselves is, are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to pay the price? Verse 35, it says, The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. The last thing the Samaritan does is he uh, leaves money for the innkeeper to take care of this guy. And I think what sticks out to me more than, uh, more than that, and, and that just so you guys have a frame of reference, two silver coins in that day was equivalent to about two days' wages. So it wasn't exactly just pocket change. Um, it was a little, little bit more of a sacrifice than that. But what stands out more, more than that is he said, if, when I come back through, if there's any additional expenses, let me know, I'll pay you for it. So he was willing, he was already willing to give anything that was needed uh, for this guy. And so, um, you know, the Samaritan wasn't just content just dropping this guy off and, and letting someone else deal with him. Um, he understood that there was a healing process which would take time and, and money. And he was willing to give that. Jesus uses the Good Samaritan to show that being a neighbor is more than just first aid. It was uh, more than just an act of kindness uh, to check off the good deeds list. Again, Jesus was creating this parable with his audience in mind, and the expert in the law was the type of person who loved the good deeds list. Like this guy, he knew all the rules and regulations of being in, in right standing with God. He knew everything to do, so he loved that every day you get up and had this big long checklist, and you're like, all right, I did that, I did that, I didn't break that law, check, check, check. He loved the checklist. This is the type of guy that we're dealing with. And so, and so uh, Jesus wanted to make sure that the expert in law um, understood that being a neighbor is not just part of another checklist. Being a neighbor sometimes means a long-term commitment. We live in a society where long-term commitment is not as valued as perhaps it should be, okay? I'll be honest that um, my generation especially, uh, you see a lot of us get jobs and we spend about two, maybe three years in that job and we, we switch jobs into another job. And, and in the past, it used to be four or five years. People would stay in jobs a lot longer, but I think we're kind of losing this idea of what a long-term commitment looks like and what kind of sacrifice that really entails. Again, paying the price might look different for each one of us. Maybe God is just calling you to help uh, with something small and simple to show someone his love. He does that every day, and that's awesome, and we get, to be, we get to participate in that. But maybe he is asking you to be ready to commit for a little while, to come along someone who is recovering from a recent divorce or addiction. Have you made it clear to God that you're only interested in the short-term commitment? Or are you willing to commit and pay whatever the price it takes to be an extension of God's grace? Perhaps in the beginning of this parable, you guys noticed that um, the, the, the teacher in the law, he asked this question, he asked, who, who are, who are my, my neighbors? And it's because he was trying to identify in this group of people um, who he could really kind of separate from everybody else to actually focus on or, or who he could consider his friends. And um, he was kind of looking at it from this legalistic perspective, kind of because he was a legalistic guy about um, understanding what, what having a relationship with God really looked like. 
Many of us are challenged in the same way in this story, I think. Many of us get up every day and we kind of treat Christianity, our understanding of who God is, as this legalistic kind of, well, this is what you do to be a Christian. You know, I got up this morning and I prayed, check. I got up and I, I read my Bible, check. I pray before I eat my meals, check. But what if, what if being a neighbor, being a good neighbor is, is really being willing to listen to God and let God actually have a voice in your life? When you get up every day, when you go through your day, are you letting God speak into your life? So this, this morning, I want to just kind of close this in three different thoughts. Um, these were just thoughts that came up in my mind as I was studying this passage that really kind of stuck out and challenged me. Um, and, and I just kind of want to read through them and, and challenge you guys a little bit this morning uh, before we end. And so the first one is, are there routines in your life that do not glorify God? Are there routines in your life that do not glorify God? Remember I said that a lot of times routines tend to set themselves up in our lives. Are there routines that have set themselves up in your life that, that are keeping you from being able to listen or hear from God when he speaks to you? Is this something that, that is kind of making you deaf to, to where God is leading you in your life? What are those routines? A second thought is what does getting your hands dirty look like in your life right now. I know a lot of times there's, uh, there's those people at work, when I, when I see them, I, I hesitate to ask, hey, how you doing? Because I, I always get that same answer, oh, life is, you know, life is rough, I got this, I got that, and all of a sudden all this baggage that was on them kind of falls on you, and you're like, oh, I don't want to deal with this right now, I'm sorry I asked, just keep it to yourself. Um, and sometimes we have people like that in our life. But we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to let God use us in those moments? Are we willing to take on that baggage if that's what God wants us to do? Is God challenging you in that way? And the third thought is, is your relationship with God more than a checklist? Is your relationship with God more than just getting up, praying, reading the Bible, coming to church on Sundays? Have you gotten to the point where God actually speaks to you in your everyday walk with him? It's not a verbal, you know, loud, booming voice. It's nudges. It's these little things that come to mind. It's remembering passages of Scripture as you go through your day. It's when you come across that person, you feel like God is telling you, you need to go talk to them. You need to, you need to ask them if they need prayer for anything. That can be really awkward when, when you know they're not a Christian, to ask someone if they need prayer. But it can make a huge difference. And God can use that in a huge way. And so this morning, just kind of challenging you guys with these thoughts. Um, again, these were thoughts that just kind of made me stop and think as I was kind of reading this passage this week. So this morning, uh, I just want to pray to close this. And uh, we're going to be done after that. If you guys need to go, feel free to go. Um, if you want to stay and just kind of think or pray, you're, you're welcome to do that. Um, but let's just pray together. Jesus, we just thank you so much for all you're doing in our lives. God, I love when we can come together as a congregation, as a, a body of Christ, and read your word together and be challenged together by what you're trying to speak to us, God. I love that. I love to see um, all of us uh, hearing from your, your word and hearing the same thing together. And we just pray this morning as we leave, as we go into this next week, that we would have just this better understanding of uh, 
what being a neighbor really looks like. Lord, help us not focus on who our neighbors are, but how to be a good neighbor. Help us just kind of turn that around. Help us be proactive and intentional about our relationship with you and understanding what you're doing in our lives. God, you're so good. We love you. We thank you for all you're doing in our lives, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.